board a roller coaster from Coney Island to Key West. I held on with one finger so the other ten could rest. It may be hard to believe, hard to comprehend, but baby, you didn't know me when. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, December 26, 2019. I am Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. It's not the 26th. Oh, I was thinking ahead. That's my half birthday. It's the 16th. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, try it again. Uh, okay. Uh, you ready? Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, December 16th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. I fast-forwarded us a week and a half uh, on the previous time. James decided to do it again, and then he still laughed at it, so that we have to go back and talk about it, <laughs> which defeats the purpose of doing it again. We should have just left it in, but whatever. I, I'm not in charge here. Um, <laughs> I, You know, that I, 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 I laugh about a lot of things all the time. You didn't have to highlight that uh, it was well, 26. I, I was just thinking, if, if it was the 26th... I, I, you we didn't probably wouldn't anything. be doing this, and we probably wouldn't be doing the show. Uh, yeah. But this happens every time. Every time I screw something up at the beginning, James laughs about it after the fact that we've decided not to include it. <laughs> so then I have to go back and talk about it. So it's almost like he wants it to sound good, and then still wants me to sound like I was an idiot for having to explain how I was an idiot before. So it's fine. I understand <laughs> the gaslighting that's going on here, James. I, I think our country is very much accustomed to tactics like this lately. Uh, I do declare the gentleman from Florida is not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, moving on. Uh, This is, of course, Monday. So uh, so yesterday on This Week on Broadway, we had a new episode of uh, on Broadway Radio. We had a new episode of This Week on Broadway. James, you and Peter and Michael talked about a whole host of things, including Jagged Little Pill on Broadway, Greater Clements off Broadway, The Sorceress uh, at National Yiddish Theater, Folk Spain, Robbie's show, um, many, many other things. But there was one thing that especially stood out. Well, uh, Peter reviewed Judgment Day. and I think that we'll just let, let's drop in a 20 second clip here just to whet the listener's appetite. The next uh, thing up, we have uh, Peter got over to Park Avenue Armory to see Judgment Day. So, Peter, why don't you tell us about this? Oh, will I ever. Um, I seriously mean this. I think it's one of the greatest things I have ever, 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 ever have seen. Um, I was just knocked out by it in every conceivable way. So when you listen to that, you think to yourself, Matt, do you need to get on a plane and come to New York? Uh, I, I get on the thing. I feel like, well, what does Peter Felicia know? It's not like he's seen a lot of stuff in his life. Yeah. So he's comparing it to like, what, four or five million other shows? Yeah. Uh, I, so, he, he surpassed 11,000 shows a couple weeks ago. My God. Um, yeah, this is running at the Park Avenue Armory. And I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about it. I haven't really read any reviews. Um, so I don't really. This is really the first review. You know why I've, that is? Why is that? Because the Park Avenue Armory doesn't invite any reviewers. That's true. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's, I bought my own ticket to yeah. see uh, Lehman Trilogy earlier this year. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, high, highly recommended by Peter Felicia. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, just unbelievable. So you, you were talking about the, uh, the top of the show in December 26th versus December 16th and your screw-ups. Uh, you should have heard me trying to pronounce... Renee, oh, I can't get Renee's last name. 
Aubergine. I, I had it for when he uh, when we first talked about his passing away, but I uh, have lost it. It's French. I don't know. Yeah, and I thought Michael Portantier was going to kill me. So Michael just took it. So we, yeah, we tried good. we tried three or four takes, and then Michael was like, I will do it. So, yeah, that's probably, probably better. And Michael's got a great background in, in French. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's always good with all the languages. Yes. The opera background and everything. Uh, I'm sure he took diction classes in college or something. Yes, exactly. All right. So, um, you know, if you want us to be able to take diction classes so Matt and I uh, don't screw up as much, you could uh, come support us no, at broadwayradio.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash broadwayradio to support us in our uh, endeavors to keep bringing Broadway Radio to you uh, through 2020 and beyond. Uh, that way we can continue to have today on Broadway, this week on Broadway, uh, Jan Simpson's Stagecraft, Jenna Tessa Fox's Spotlight, Lauren Clash Schneider's um, Class Notes. All, all those things come to you by supporting uh, us on Broadway Radio. We, we should, really appreciate it. We should get tote bags. Oh, I mean, that's what, that's what people do. We, we, have we have tote bags? We have tote bags. I, they, people filled them up and brought their congressional testimony in the tote bag, too. <laughs> that was very Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs a briefcase? Just bring the thing you take to go get your groceries. The funniest thing I heard on NPR was like, could you imagine their kid that morning going to this supermarket with a briefcase and trying to put fruit <laughs> into the briefcase? Nobody no. knows what we're talking about. So, all right. So let's get uh, first up in the news... Harry Connick Jr., A Celebration of Cole Porter, opened on Broadway, so we have some critics' reviews. We do, James. We actually have a lot of critics' reviews for multiple shows in today's episode. In fact, that's going to be the bulk of today's show. But this one officially opened on Thursday night. We didn't include it because there was like one review. It's weird. It's a concert, so the reviews didn't all come out on opening night. But we have a host of them now. This show, of course, is playing on Broadway at the Nederlander Theater just for a short time through December 29th. Then Harry Connick Jr. will be taking this show on the road. So if you like these reviews, you like Harry Connick Jr., there's a decent shot that he's going to be within driving distance of you at some point uh, bringing this show uh, to the regions outside of New York City. Well, as the, the title indicates, this is a celebration of Cole Porter, and it seems like it is quite an interesting celebration at that. Helen Shaw, writing for Vulture, said, quote, He's written one quite wonderful sequence, though, in which he shows us how he arranged night and day. He, of course, Harry Connick, uh, walks us through the way that specific lyrics, a reference to a clock, make him choose instrumentation. And then, once he's chosen trumpets, how he decides between cup mutes and harmon mutes. The projections show us how the notation changes, and the brass section behind him plays the heck out of the song in response. It's still all about ease. Connick tries singing the song in a couple of different keys, then chooses the one that, quote, doesn't make him work that hard. But, oh, the veil is down. We've seen the musicianship and care that all that relaxation requires, and it makes us melt a little further. We're in such good hands after all. Uh, Matt Winman from AM New York felt similarly, but it took a little while to get for him to get warmed up. At, he, he wrote, quote, at my performance on Tuesday night, Connick wearing a tux and clutching a wireless microphone at first looked stiff and dazed and sounded wobbly. His remarks to the audience about Porter were effusive but rudimentary. Attempts to turn some songs into dramatic scenes set in such locales as an underground New Orleans bar or a lonely hotel room were corny and dull. 
But as the concert as the concert progressed, Connick became more at ease and segued into his persona as a smooth Sinatra style crooner. He was most in his element when playing at the piano alongside the band instead of trying to be a showman. Connick also seemed to enjoy leading a behind the scenes tutorial about how he arranged and orchestrated Porter's night and day, as Shaw talked about. And then finally here, James, Greg Evans from Deadline said, quote, at its frequent best, Harry Connick Jr., a celebration of Cole Porter opening tonight at the Nederlander Theater, pairs Porter's songwriting genius with Connick's superb musicianship, supple, ear-pleasing vocals, and a brash confidence that pushes the music from the comfort of classic pop into bolder, jazzier terrain. Connick, with his years on American Idol, movie screens, and concert stages, is certainly the most popular interpreter of American standards, and he takes fine advantage of that goodwill, unafraid to slip in an occasional dissonance or to slow down a vocal like a train creeping to its halt, where Connick leads, his audience knows to follow. So this, again, is only running for less than two more weeks, but it sounds like if you enjoy standards, if you enjoy Harry Connick Jr., this is one that you should certainly catch at the Nederlander Theater or when he brings the show to your neck of the woods. He is just amazing. He, he's one of my favorite, favorite vocalists, and uh, just... Uh, I'm just really excited. I'm buying tickets to this because they didn't invite us to it, but I have to see this. Yeah. It's really, really wonderful. One of my favorite albums of all time that I've listened to for decades is Harry Connick Jr.'s Red Light and Blue Light. Or is it Blue Light, Red Light? I'm not sure which one it is. But that was really my first real introduction to him. You didn't know the Harry Sally soundtrack? It was a little before my time, but Uh uh, it's it's close in that. But it was... Uh, it's great. It's still uh, on my on my phone. Um, really great album, and I'm really glad to hear that the show is as good as you would hope. Is uh, Red Light Blue Light the one uh, you didn't know me when? It that, is. It is. It, it is definitely you didn't know me when. One of my favorite favorite songs. You didn't know me when. It's such a wonderful song. Yep. Oh, I love that. That's great. All right. What do we have in this week's theatrical schedule? Well, we're a little busier than normal as things either get ramped up or ramped down before the Christmas holiday. First up tonight over at the New York Theater Workshop, the off-Broadway premiere of the musical adaptation of the indie film Sing Street officially opens. This show has been extended multiple times and will now run through January 26th. It is uh, directed by Rebecca Tashman and it has a book by Enda Walsh and, and features a score by John Carney, who also wrote the uh, the indie film that this is based on um james i I dare say that this one if you don't get a chance to see this through january 26th um you're probably going to get a chance to see it again uh i would not be surprised if after the reviews come out tonight that sometime in the near future we hear about another life for this show unless the reviews are horrible if the reviews are not very good then maybe those plans get put on hold but i think that the way this one is selling and um I haven't heard a ton of word of mouth because New York Theater Workshop isn't a huge space and it's only been running um, for a couple of weeks. But I, it, the plan is that we will see this one on a stage very soon after it closes on January 26th. Then on Wednesday, we have another show beginning performances. And this one, I get 
it's not a new production, but it is a new production. This is the return of Les Miserables to the West End's now Stephen Sondheim Theater. It was once the Queen's Theater. They renovated that space, got rid of the old choreography, got rid of the turntable, did that concert for a few months, and now they're bringing the show back to its original home. The show is will now be starring John Robbins as Jean Valjean, Bradley Jaden, uh, Bradley Jaden as Javert, Carrie Hope Fletcher as Fontaine, and more. Then on Friday, we have the first Broadway preview for Second Stage's Broadway premiere of Best Wall's Grand Horizons, directed by Lee Silverman. This show also uh, features Jane Alexander, James Cromwell, Priscilla Lopez, Ben McKenzie, uh, Malik Pencali, Ashley Park, and Michael Yuri. This show is currently set to run through March 1st at the Hayes Theater or Helen Hayes, which is the full name, which I'm annoyed that they don't list on their website. But also on Friday, we have the first performance. I don't know if this is technically a preview. It's the first performance for the return engagement for the Vineyard Theater's off-Broadway premiere of Is This a Room? This is the show that we've talked about uh, many, many times that um, chronicles the interrogation of reality winner. This one was a huge hit when it ran just last month uh, up until last month the vineyard was able to get it in for a new run through january 19th so make sure if you missed it the first time that you see it then and then james uh we have a number of closings all of them happening off broadway first we have a bright room called day from the public cyrano from the new group seared from mcc uh, fires in the mirror by signature and the half-life of marie curie which is happening at minetta lane thanks to audible so if you have not seen those and you would like to i highly recommend seared if there are any tickets left make sure that you get over there by sunday december 22nd okay So, uh, keeping in theme with our review section, um, we did the A section was the, uh, Harry Connick and the B section was our, was our calendar. So we'll go back to the A section for a review of The Thin Place Off-Broadway. Yeah, James, this is the new play by Lucas Hanath that is currently running at Playwrights Horizons. It is currently scheduled to run through January 5th. It is directed by Les Walters and features a cast by Randy or features a cast of Randy Danson, Kelly McAndrew, Emily Cass McDonald, and Trini Sandoval. Uh, the first review we'll talk about is Jesse Green from the New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick. He wrote, quote, That's one of the things I love about Hanath's plays, how far ahead of us they stay. You can never guess from moment to moment how the plot will turn, even though the turns rarely seem less than inevitable once they've been made. In the same way, Hanath has little use for introductions or exposition. He doesn't mind changing channels abruptly. This puts the audience, if it's willing, in a constant state of ears up readiness. More than once, I actually thought I saw a ghost. It turned out to be an odd glint in my glasses. Helen Shaw, writing for Vulture, writes, quote, If Hanath, writer of A Doll's House Part Two, The Christians, and Hillary and Clinton, is consistent about anything, it's that in his plays, sureness is slippery. His characters tend to be caught in moments between certainties, and their doubt, even well-founded doubt, is usually destructive. Only fools are confident, and Hanath doesn't write about fools. He writes about people who deeply and conscientiously question their beliefs. We should all try to, right? but who accidentally rip up something valuable, a marriage, a church, a campaign, as they do so. The plot description for uh, The Thin Place reads, quote, everyone who ever died is still here. There's a different part of, just in a different part of here. Linda can communicate with them. And if you believe she can make you hear them too, 
in the thin place, the fa- fragile boundary between our world and the other one. So Lucas and Aeth obviously uh, doing something uh, a little out of the ordinary with his uh, uh, with this one here, trying to do some supernatural stuff here. And obviously it worked on Jesse Green, who thought he was sawing a, seeing a ghost during the proceedings. Okay. All right. Completing our ABAA theme. Good poetry lesson there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, uh, let's talk about Robert Frost's early poems and the road not taken, maybe, you know. Yes, sir. two roads uh, diverged in a yellow wood. It's a 300-level literature class at uh, the State University. Yeah, that would actually be very appropriate for this next uh, set of reviews. All right, so Dave Malloy's Moby Dick opens in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yeah, they're covering that on 100-level classes in Cambridge. But yes, this one— It's all uh, pass-fail, though. Once you're in, once you're in, that the hard part's getting in. That's true, yeah. Um, <laughs> this one uh, opened last week at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts. This, of course, is a dramatization of the classic novel by Herman Melville. features music, book, lyrics, and orchestration— by Dave Malloy and is directed and developed by Rachel Chavkin. Um, Don Acoin from the Boston Globe write, wrote, quote, an ambitiously conceived and superbly executed musical, if occasionally self-indulgent. Heaven knows what Melville, an onstage bust of whom silently observes the proceedings during the world premiere of Moby Dick at the American Repertory Theater, would make of this creation by the team of Dave Malloy and Rachel Chavkin. But the author would be hard-pressed to gainsay the fact that Malloy and Chavkin have devised an arrestingly expressive theatrical language of their own. Iris Fanger of the Patriot Ledger wrote, quote, like Melville's book, this theatrical adaptation is long, messy, sometimes dull in the digressions, but it is downright brilliant in wrestling Melville's chronicle to the stage. No matter Melville's intentions, the creative team of this retelling of Moby Dick means for us to understand that the Pequod, the book or the, uh, the ship in the book, is a metaphor for our ship of state ruled over by a tyrant who considers the members of his crew as lackeys to do his bidding. The crew is a diverse, uh, a diverse lot ethnically and in terms of gender, along with their various religious beliefs, if they hold them at all. America was on the cusp of a civil war when Melville wrote his novel. Now we are as politically divided as ever to our peril as a nation. One hopes that the ending of Moby Dick will not prove prophetic of the future. Don't miss this one. Now, James, I've uh, posited that perhaps uh, Sing Street might have a life uh, somewhere else after it closes in January. I would be surprised if Moby Dick does not have a life somewhere else um, it, it, after it closes in January, January 12th at, at ART. I don't know that it will be the same destination, but I would imagine if you've seen the design of this, Mimi Lian, who also actually did the um, set design for A Thin Place, um, she's constructed this gorgeous ship-like looking set. And if they're going to do that somewhere, I would imagine that they would have to find a place big enough um, so that the public can all fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. because the public is large. Yes, it's certain places. Yeah, Yeah. not every place is the public large, uh, but you would have to have a large spot for people to be able to watch it in the public. Where people in public can watch it. Correct. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but not... Not in private. Yes, exactly. So, uh, 
So uh, t- I don't know if you know any of this information. Of course, uh, Pierre and Comet of 1812, um, mm-hmm. that that was uh, a small section of War and Peace, 20-some-odd uh, right. pages of War and Peace. Is this the entire Moby Dick, or is this no. just a section of Moby Dick? They've taken four sections from Moby Dick, apparently, and dramatized those four sections. I I read Moby Dick in high school. I couldn't tell you. Uh, other than my name is Ishmael, I couldn't tell you a damn thing other than that and, and White Whale. Um, my, as I've stated before, my memory for details is non-existent. Um, but the, yeah, it, it, it dramatizes four different sections in the book. So if and when I see this in public, I will probably need to do a uh, Cliff's Notes version uh, to refresh my memory. Mm, yeah. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for kicking off the week with us. And uh, Matt's going to be here tomorrow. And, yeah. yeah. Maybe by myself. Maybe not. We'll might see. Bring, might bring in a guest or something. I don't know. We'll see. All right. And we'll talk to you then. <laughs>